Hi, this is Charlene, your host for Soul Sciences, the place where your inner experience meets outer exploration, or your inner exploration meets outer experience. Thanks for joining today's program of Soul Sciences. podcast at Soul Sciences know that Kathy has been a frequent and return visitor and if you take a moment to listen in you'll understand why. Welcome again to the show Kathy. Oh thank you Charlene. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always lovely to chat with you. I'm so inspired. Kathy you wrote this second memoir called Just the Way He Walked and you were just explaining to me how the title came about. Would you open that up for our listeners, please? And it wasn't until I was many years into it, and I wrote a scene um, where Brian had first started drinking, and I first discovered it. And when I looked at him, I saw his father. And um, his father was an alcoholic, and I went through a lot with him. And it that whole reel just replayed in my mind that, oh my goodness, Brian is going to be like his father. And it, the line just came to me. It was just the way he walked. And, and when I wrote that, I went bingo. Because the book is really about all my fears about him turning into his father. And It's kind of the essence of the story, Uh, the relationship that he had with his father and his sense of abandonment and all those things. And I I really valued the father-son relationship, and I, I, I tried to help him nourish it just for what it was, even though his dad was an alcoholic, but... He was still his father, and and you know it, it's okay to have a relationship with him as much as he could, you know. So they're really quite connected, and so that 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 title just really resonated with me, and I just didn't turn back. I I knew that was going to be the title. <laughs> That's a very brave and unusual book to write about your son's alcoholism and about your journey with that. Would you talk more? Because I was deeply moved by your honesty and your journey, your self-reflection through that process with your beautiful and beloved son, how difficult that was. Well, I'll put it to you this way. At this, simultaneously, I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that actually paled in comparison to dealing with Brian. So that kind of gives you a perspective. And the reason it did is that 
I had treatment options. I had some sense of control about whether I would follow those options or not. And there was a certain sense of security in them. With Brian, I had absolutely no control. Um, but of course, I didn't know that for quite a while. And that's part of the story is, it's really a multi-layered story because it's about my enabling and how I became his best enabler um, unintentionally, <laughs> but um, nevertheless, it didn't do any good for me or for him. So I learned a lot about myself as well as, well, I don't, I learned about Brian, but you know, only Brian can speak for himself as far as what the experience was, was like. And I did finally learn to let go of, of my need to control, not let go of him, let go of my need to control him. That is so powerful, Kathy. And what I found also extremely insightful is I think it's a trap that a lot of parents get into. Your method of controlling was through what you called love. Would you speak to that some more, please? Well, I figured the more I loved him, the more he would respond. I mean, it just made sense to me. <laughs> and of course he didn't because he was, he was ill. And, um, it had taken over his life and then my life because I, you know, allowed it. And I made attempts here and there, you know, I got him to rehab and that type of thing. But um, he ended up in, I don't know, nine or 10 rehabs. So little did I know that first time I thought, well, he's all, he's going to be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> he, went, he went for three weeks and he's all fixed. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he had a girlfriend at one point also when he had come out of rehab, I think. Uh, oh, had... yeah. I mean, he he did um, experience significant periods of sobriety, two and three years at a time. And then he would always relapse. And time and time and time again. And I've had people tell me how frustrating parts of the book were because I tolerated so much for so long. <laughs> and people would say, you know, how could you have tolerated that? Why didn't you do X, Y, and C? And that's where kind of like the judgment comes in for people who don't totally understand what it's like to, to have your son spiral downward from this horrible addiction when, in fact, you have no experience with it. You know, my, my upbringing did not include that. I was, I guess, naive, you might say, that, you know, it wasn't on my radar. If it was on my radar, I wouldn't have married their father. But if I didn't marry their father, I wouldn't have these two beautiful children. <laughs> and, and I think that's where the, what is it, the transformative um, part of memoir writing a memoir is that you discover things and you learn things and you heal when you write. I did. Definitely. We did. As a family, we did. And it opened up dialogue and um, 
We have a wonderful relationship. He's been sober for eight years. Kathy, that is such a wonderful and inspiring moment to share with everyone that he's been sober for eight years. And how was it that you managed the tightrope between wanting to write this very honest memoir, but oh. respecting his boundaries? Well, it, it took me 20 years. Oh, my <laughs> By the, you know, when I first started writing vignettes, and I would share it with him, and I just gradually um, would introduce other writings of mine that really shed a light on the impact his drinking had on me, and it opened his eyes, but, you know, not right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> this was a long this was a long haul journey mm. and I had to really navigate all those sensitivities of how can I expose my child to the world? Because in order to tell my story, I had to show the ugly parts mm -hmm. so that people could appreciate the miracle yes. of sobriety. And um, I just worked with him, you know, over the years and, you know, we would put the memoir aside for months and months at a time because it was just too painful yes. and, or I would keep writing and I wouldn't share with him and, because I wasn't ready to, and, and just gradually. And it wasn't until three months before I published it that he said to me, mom, he said, um, this is your story. And he says, I want you to tell it. And I, I'm okay with you telling this story because I've been kind of, you know, all selfish and, and, and worried about what people would think of me. And he says, I got to get over that because I am the man that I am today because of all these experiences that have shaped me up to this point. And it just blew me away. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew that I could publish it because I did not know until three months before I published it, if I could. And I wouldn't have, if he was fighting me, I would not have because my relationship with him is, is too important. I'm a mother first and then I'm a writer, you know, so yes and i remember because you and i had planned to do an interview uh tentatively and we had to put it off and i so respect your choice on that because wow that's a powerful experience and to have him say you know i've got to get over myself and to have him say all the experiences good bad and indifferent are have made me into the strong man i am today but that mirrors to me what you said a little minute ago about how all of these experiences have gone into shaping you as a writer, but also you as a person. Mm -hmm. And I really believe fully that when we do that work, honestly, when we go into ourselves, we provide a pathway for our children. Mm -hmm. And they will be able to do the transformations that are necessary in their lives because we've done that. 
We don't right. They they've witnessed it. Yes, witnessed it and felt it. Sort of um, in neuroscience, I always go into the woo woo. You know that I'm a little woo wooey. <laughs> <laughs> it's like neuroscience. Oh yes, here we go. But your brain changes mm-hmm. as you go through those, and then the relationship with your son changes, and then his is able to change. For example, to me, if you had been stuck in that fear mm-hmm. that he would be like you, and just stuck there, what do you think mm-hmm. would have happened? Oh, well, we both would have just been <laughs> thrown into an abyss of self-pity. And yeah, we wouldn't have moved on. And um, I always had, I just never gave up hope on him, no matter what. And even even my family, if they expressed despair that, oh, you know, he'll never get better or whatever. I never, ever gave up hope. And he knew that. He that. knew that, yes, and he yes. t- he has told me. He says, "Mom," he says, "You know, the fact that you hoped in me helped me hope in myself." Beautiful. You know, <laughs> and like I say, this is not something that happened overnight. No, <laughs> this is a, this is an evolutionary type of a slowly unfolding type of of process, and um. All I know is where we are today is just such a joy. <laughs> and it's everything I visualized when I was in the, just the, the pits of despair. Yes. I would visualize him healthy. Beautiful. And, and, you know, I really believe in positive visualization. So do I. It, yeah. Totally. It, it changes how we live our lives it changes how we think yes how we feel and i think all the challenges i've had to deal with you know with personal challenges with my health and and um the divorce and leaving two abusive marriages before you know and um you know that has really forced me to to really look at myself and decide what do I want to be? What do I want my life to be? You know, and, uh, and of course, for me, my, my faith in God is very strong. Yes. And that was kind of like the foundation of the hope that I carried with me all these years. It made a difference for him. I believe that fully, but I have a question for you that I think is really pertinent to the situation you had unrelenting hope for him, but how did you manage that around boundaries and getting over just throwing love at him and saying, yes, it's okay, whatever you're doing, it's all right, I'll take it. Yeah. Yes, I had to learn healthy boundaries. That was, that was not something that was natural to me. So that was a very steep learning curve for me. But when I realized that by my, what I thought was helping him was really hurting him. Yes. It was like giving a suicidal person a gun. Yes. When I started becoming aware of, of that possibility, that kind of forced me to change. And, of course, I had a lot of support, too, within my family and my husband and 
And that made a huge, huge difference because I really needed to be fed back what my behavior was. Yes. You know, because I was so entrenched in it. Yes. That I couldn't see it for what it was. All I knew is I was just trying so hard. But I was trying to control him. And in fact, he was not to be controlled. No. And it was a detriment to both my mental health and to his. Yes. However, yeah. when you made that turn, once again, you established very difficult boundaries coming from a loving position as a mother wanting to just love and love to get because we know love is a healing power. There is no question. Mm -hmm. Right. But balancing that with discipline and with self-respect. Exactly. And saying, you know, you it doesn't matter who you are, my child, whoever you are, you don't get to do that to me. No. And, and I needed to get angry. And uh, I have very high tolerance for a lot of things. And uh, it frustrates people in my life. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really needed to get angry with him. And that, and I did. Yes. And, and that, that felt, that felt good. So like when he called me from a bar, mom, I have an $883 tab at the bar can you pay it it's like no exactly i can't no i can't pay it no i won't and i can't because i knew well first of all i sensed that he had a will to live yes and uh wayne my wonderful husband <laughs> said you know brian would never make a very good homeless person <laughs> because he cares too much about like what he looks like and you know what I mean? He, <laughs> so that, that kind of helped me say, you know, this kid, this kid is more resilient than I think. And if I let go and let him be what he needs to be, then he can feel empowered within himself to make his own decisions and feel good about himself. But if I'm constantly there bailing him out, you don't feel good about yourself, you no. know? You dig a bigger hole, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. Um, so it was quite a, oh, wow. It was quite a learning experience for me. Kathleen, I'm sorry to say we've come to close to the end of this wonderful and very important, very deep and inspiring talk. Do you have some words for parents who might be in the same situation? I think it's really important to seek out support, that you cannot do this alone, to learn as much as you can about the disease of alcoholism, and um, never stop loving or hoping in your child. You, I mean, I, you can't let go of your child, but you can let go of your ability or your uh, need to um, control something that you can't control. So both for your mental health and your child's mental health, they need to know that you still love them and you still hope in them, but that you aren't going to put up with any behavior that makes them a menace to society. Good for you. That's very powerful. Thank you so much. Where can people get your wonderful book, Just the Way He Walked? And I recommend everyone, whether you deal with this or not, it is such a human story right from the heart. 
Where can people get your book, Kathy? Well, really, any bookseller, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, Terrific. Yeah, it's on Ingram Sparks, so it's all over the place. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Delighted. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Well, thank you for having me, Charlene. <laughs> we'll talk again very soon. Okay. Bye-bye. That's it. That's all for today. Many thanks to Kevin McLeod for that lovely music, Carefree. And many thanks to all of you who make these podcasts possible. Remember, take good care of each other. Bye for now.